Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Tom Nichols uh, talking about a new trend among playwrights does not make for a great product. You know, Tom, we we probably were talking about writers more with regard to the the ongoing strike that you know with with regard to sag after and that sort of thing but i thought this was a great take that you're talking about you know the new trends among playwrights so take us in good morning good morning dawn good morning i'm here good to hear from you despite the bad energy in the city right now yeah yeah but um good morning good morning (laughs) tell us about you were commissioned to write a play about a young abraham lincoln and that was you, you take us through about what that process, you know, looked like for you. And I think it's a great insider's view of what we're facing in society today. Yeah, well, um, I can't give the title of the play, unfortunately, because there were some legal problems. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to promise not to mention the play or the producer's name, um, et, et cetera. But I, I can do a general overview of it. Mm-hmm. And basically... Um, I was asked to write a play about Abraham Lincoln and his younger life in Kentucky. And uh, I was given the theme, which was the relationship between Lincoln and a younger store clerk uh, by the name of Joshua Fry Speed. So, you know, the play went along uh, okay, and but over time, the producer then kept getting other opinions about how the play should be uh the play then kind of morphed into a quasi woke uh i can't call it a diatribe necessarily but there were definitely woke elements that entered into it later um the play was originally about the relationship but it later became a play about slavery which was based on who this producer talked to um I mean, she would talk to people in elevators and in the street, um, in apartment complexes and so forth. And so uh, that's how the play became a play written by committee as opposed to a play written by a playwright and gone over by what they call a uh, dramaturge, which is somebody who edits a play. And, I mean, certain collaborative plays have been popular in Europe since about 1905, but they've generally been few and far between. Since COVID, however, you know, 
when COVID and government overreach shut down a lot of government institutions, when the theater came back, it was one of the victims of this political correctness virus that basically overdid themes of wokeness. And so, you know, you had, you know, Philadelphia theater audiences almost being preached to and catechized about like immigration Mm -hmm. and racism and trans issues. And it's gotten to the point now where you can't even go to a play. Uh, Most plays, I'm not talking about the Walnut Street Theater. They've maintained Mm -hmm. their kind of old school standard of just Mm -hmm. doing a show without preaching to the audience. But but by and large, um, a lot of theaters now do these land acknowledgement mini-lectures before the play opens on diversity, equity, and equality. And it's very, very, very weird and very boring because it's overdone and it's overwrought. <laughs> yes. So so this is a real problem, I think, in the theater world right now. And ultimately, you, you, know, you write that, unfortunately, the play that wasn't written by, was not written by you, it was written by the so-called committee, that it, yeah. it, no surprise, it was not a huge success. So I, I have to ask you this. What, what would you have done as far as the young Lincoln? What, what, how would you have done this differently as far as looking back at his life and doing a play, a young Lincoln? I, w- I, would, have, I would have kept it to the very, very personal life aspect of it. <clears throat> his um, relationship with this man named uh, Joshua Fry Speed. Um, I would have just kept it at that and have just kind of not tried to comment on the evils of slavery or to bring slavery into it as the topic of the play. But but you see, uh, this was becoming more and more popular when this play was written about 10 years ago. And um, But I would have kept it basically on the very, very personal level and as a kind of another portrait of Lincoln. That's the way, that's the way I would have done it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just unfortunate that, you know, the whole idea of, well, we have to follow a narrative instead of looking at a really interesting story about somebody who's clearly very famous <laughs> and in our history, the yeah. 16th president of the United States, ultimately it was shot to death. Um, because he was the emancipation president, but it's a shame that they have to go with the modern narrative rather than, cause it's, I didn't even know, I had to look up, you know, before, you know, before we were talking, I had to look up who this was. It's a pretty <laughs> fascinating story that he met this, he meets this guy, they end up, you know, becoming fast friends, but they do ultimately share a bedroom over, you know, four years over the store. And so yeah. I've never heard that story before. Yeah, well, if that, there was a book written about it years ago by a writer named C.A. Tripp, and he brought out the possibility that there could have been a relationship. I mean, who knows? Uh, who knows what two people do in bed mm-hmm. in the middle of the night when the moon is full? That's kind of <laughs> nobody's business, you know? And so, I mean, so... I mean, maybe they hugged because it was cold, but I do know that in 1840... 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. People often shared beds and families lived in cramped quarters Mm -hmm. and there was no privacy and you kind of learned to like sleep together. So it was very common, not for four years, however, that's, you see, this, this is the accent over the, uh, yes, (laughs) you know, um, but, but I can tell you that plays with, with like politically correct woke themes generally always flop Mm -hmm. so that this is a good thing for people to know do you Um, think that this is let me just ask you this on on a larger scale like right now in new york city new york is doing a pretty good job of making a comeback however broadway broadway is suffering do you think this issue that you're tapping into is impacting broadway yes i do I, i mean Besides the the uh, regular post COVID reasons, finances, uh, people still hibernating, uh, and but but I think this this is uh, definitely part of uh, that. For instance, there was a show called Oklahoma at the Forest Theater about a year ago in Center City, and I was excited because I remember Oklahoma as a boy. Now. You know, I like avant-garde theater, too, mm-hmm. but when you're given overdoses of it all the time, it be, it becomes pedestrian and boring. But what they did to Oklahoma at the Forest Theater, they turned it into Woklahoma, and, mm-hmm. and the audiences hated it, but the reviewers loved it because I felt that the reviewers were kind of pressured into following this, like, progressive woke thing that they had to do for the sake of their editors. Um, but the audiences universally hated this show. And I think this is what is going on in Broadway currently. Uh, people are just tired of being preached to. And, you know, art should be neutral. It should, it should present things that, um, you know, it's not a catechism mm-hmm. and it's not a religion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I have to confess, because years ago, Larry and I and our boys were much younger. We saw this Wonderland on Broadway, and it was like Alice in Wonderlands, but it was a retake yeah. on it. And it's still to this day noted as a huge flop. And I, <laughs> looking back, I guess it's although I think that it's now being revised. But they spent all this money, and these sets were gorgeous. And I guess part of it was there were all these. And back then, we didn't have the word woke, quote unquote. 
But I guess there was this narrative that a lot of people were turned off to, and they, for a multitude of reasons, they said it was a flop. We, on the other hand, I guess we were just so happy to get out, (laughs) maybe of the house. I don't know. We loved it. We thought it was fabulous. We didn't get any of the references. I don't, you know, but Uh, we still laugh about it because we, we didn't think, we thought it was wonderful. So it's, but it's a, it makes me sad to see the arts infected with this and being brought down. And I think that's the place from which you're coming from, you know, as a writer to say, it's too important and especially live performances you know we need more of that and this to me it makes me sad to see this tom yeah and um i uh i can appreciate your take on broadway because broadway can be very seductive and you're just happy to be there and bask in the glow so you tend to be less critical which i think is fine but um one big show that came to the forest, which escaped all of this wokeness, was the Book of Mormon, yes. which actually, that was so funny, and it was so <laughs> irreverent, it had me on the floor. I'm very hard to make laugh, but but this thing seemed to break every rule in the book, <laughs> and it was just five stars all the way. Yeah. And it's so... Yeah, and, and I will tell but, you, I was nervous. I have a relative, and they're very, very devout, born-again Christians, yeah. I don't drink, don't smoke, you know, the whole thing. They went and they laughed out loud. Had it because I was worried, like, uh oh, this is obscene, right? And it's irreverent. But to your point, when it's good, when it's funny, and you can escape within that, it, you don't feel like you're being preached to, right? right. And that's a piece right. of it. Well, yeah, because we don't want a witch hunt to sort of take over the arts, yeah. you know? Amen. It, it should. It should be. It should be a free territory. <laughs> Amen. I I agree. We need an escape. Well, Tom Nichols, it's always a pleasure. Until next time, my friend. Thank you. Okay, Don. Thanks a lot. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.